you know, she wants this or this. And he goes, we can't do that. So what do you mean? It's like nothing. And we found nobody else that wanted to take a chance on this building. And he goes, oh, we're like over $100,000 over budget. Hi, you're listening to That Really Happened, Unbelievable Real Estate Stories. I'm your host, Ellie Perlman. If you're a real estate investor, this is the podcast for you. Our guest speakers will bring you amazing, intriguing, and unbelievable stories about real estate investing. The stories will be an honest and transparent account about what it actually means to invest in real estate. You'll hear stories that investors don't usually share. Stories about hardships, breaking points, painful truths, and surprising realizations. Sometimes there's a happy ending, and sometimes the story ends very differently than you would expect. So let's get the show started. Hey guys, welcome to That Really Happened. I'm Ellie Perlman, your host, broadcasting from sunny California. When I'm not behind the mic, I buy multifamily properties with passive investors who partner with me on my deals. They can get double-digit returns without the need to find, negotiate, finance, and manage their properties. If you enjoy this podcast, please take a minute to rate us. Me and my team who has been working very hard on this show would appreciate it a lot. You can always go to my website, ellieperlman.com, to listen to the episodes and read the show notes as well. All right, so today on the show, we have Kyle Stevie. So Kyle's interest in real estate began when he spent a year living in Yucatan Peninsula in Mexico. When he returned to the States, Kyle began working for Total Quality Logistics. And during his 15 years there, he has watched the company grow from a $30 million a year into a $3 billion giant in the freight brokering industry. Kyle is the founder of Sparring Capital with Joe and Ben Stevie which helps accredited investors increase their real estate holdings while avoiding similar obstacles that Kyle has encountered. So Kyle will share with us his journey in revitalizing two buildings that were on the brink of destruction. Hey, Kyle, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. So where are you uh, broadcasting from? I'm broadcasting from Fort Thomas, Kentucky, literally across the Ohio River from Cincinnati, Ohio. Very nice. So as I mentioned, you at the intro, you're working with accredited investors and you've, you know, you've started your real estate journey years ago. And also when we were chatting right before I hit the record button, Kyle told me a little secret that he used to be a lawyer like myself. I never practiced, but I've passed the bar exam. So in Ohio and mm -hmm. Kentucky, so that, I mean, officially I'm a lawyer. I pay my dues every year. I sure don't forget the same <laughs> Well, you're, you're smarter than me. It took me a few years to realize that, hey, this is great, but I think actually being in real estate is, is more exciting. So I actually practiced a few <laughs> years and then moved to do other things. But yeah, we have that in common. So we're going to talk about the, the story of revitalizing those two buildings. But before we do that, can you kind of... Take me and the listeners to kind of set us the background for us, what year it is, where you are, what you're doing, just so we can kind of understand what's going on. All right. So I have three kids, two 17-year-olds and an eight-year-old. And about three years ago, our house was an old craftsman home. And it just the layout wasn't conducive to the amount of people we had. And we wanted the kids to have their friends over and enjoy being kids. 
that's the one good thing about Fort Thomas. I mean, there's a lot of good things about Fort Thomas, but it's the main thing about Fort Thomas is a real tight knit community. And so we were looking around and Allison was really adamant on building an addition. And I was too, because I was with her. I, th I thought the idea was great. Give us more room, not have to worry about a bunch of teenagers running around, around us, you know. We got bids and we had a, we actually had an architect draw, do drawings and a lot of money for plans that we'll never use. But we realized that it just wasn't cost effective. So at my job, I'm pretty much, I mean, I have a salary, but I'm pretty much rely on commission, right? 100% commission as far as I'm concerned. And I said to Alice, I said, well, if we do this, I'll never enjoy it with my job because I will always be worried about losing it. I, if we're going to do this, we need to do this with other people's money. So I had read books about multiple streams of income. I had, I had cousins that, have, that still do either house flips or I have a cousin that owns like six laundromats. So I knew people were, what they were doing with real estate. So I said, you know what, I'll just do it myself because that's what I do. I always try to do things by myself because I'm an idiot. So I, <laughs> I looked, I looked at two buildings in Fort Thomas. I laugh here because we're kind of the same also here, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I, I, I can read a book, but I can't understand the lesson until I get hit in the head with the book, right? Allison pointed out two buildings in Fort Thomas that were in the historic district, Midway. They're national, the buildings are on the national registry, which is, has nothing to do with this story. Cause mm -hmm. those are, I mean, national re registry buildings can be nightmares, but this wasn't even, this didn't even venture into our nightmare. I knew what they. I knew which ones they were. They hadn't been lived in for five years or so. And even when they were lived in, they were like Section Eight HUD type things, which is completely out of place in Fort Thomas. The South Side, where they're at, is kind of like a middle class, working class neighborhood. Been the entertainment district ever since I was a little kid. Like I didn't live there, but we would go up there and to hang out. It's kind of a safer place, you know. You can go get into. You could get into the back then. You could get into the bars. You didn't have to be twenty one. So when she said that buildings, I was like, I don't know about this. And so my next door neighbor and I, who's a contractor, have been speaking, been talking about investing and stuff. And we went up there and checked them out. Yeah, it was it was fun. But at the same time, while that was going on, we didn't. I, this is a whole long story, so I, we'll just go from there. So you you go to check it out with your neighbor, and you said it was fun. What was fun about it? Well, we actually went into these things, and it used to be when the the fort of Fort Thomas was an actual military fort. And the, the Midway District was built to accommodate all the soldiers. So they had been, one of our buildings was a billiard hall. The other one had been a post office. They're kind of like you see in Midtown America. They got the brick facades and you have the stores in the, on the ground floor and apartments up top. Well, they had been converted sometime in the late 70s, I suppose, or 80s into just ground floor apartments. And they had the drop ceilings and they'd done everything they possibly could to destroy the original architecture of the building in the name of energy efficiency mm -hmm. and profit. They were terrible. The lady who owned them had died. So this is 2016. I didn't say that. I apologize. So 2016, she had been dead for five years and the properties were tied in probate. And in that time, and then, like I said, since the seventies, they'd been pretty much slumlorded in the time that she was, she had died, they'd been squatted. Mm -hmm. So people were just running in and out. It didn't matter. Like if you ever really truly get into a war, you need to invade a country, just like put squatters into, they'll figure out ways into anything. Like it doesn't matter what kind of security a country has. They're going to figure it out. Cause we, it, the city did everything they possibly could to keep them out of the building. And they were still getting out. It was crazy. I had talked to a police officer when he found out I was buying the buildings at, at, at our gym. And he goes, you know how many dead bodies we brought out of those buildings? I was like, I don't want to know. 
Wait, wait, wait. You're actually considering to buy a building that occasionally has dead bodies inside and the police is or someone is is evacuating the the bodies. What's happening there? Like that was the pocket of crime in Fort Thomas. It was kind of it was it was crazy. We knew they were gross. We knew they were bad. We didn't even get to go through them with electricity because electricity hadn't been on in five years. (laughs) So we kind of we went in we went in via cell phone flashlight and try to see everything we could. And all that, it didn't make you pause or, or say, hey, wait a minute, maybe this is not the best investment, you know, no electricity, people who invade the, the, the building and occasionally die there. No, because I knew what they were. And I knew if we could get them at a good price, we'd be, we should be okay. So my partner and I discussed what that price was going to be. I think they were listed together for like 330 or something. And we wound up getting them for 155 combined and we knew that the i mean fort thomas is a pretty affluent area we felt like we would be okay if we could get it at that with our our, our the budget that we had at the time mm-hmm. all right well so so you know the area pretty well you're braver than i am you know buying a building that but you see the potential and even though it's kind of there's some shady things going on you you see the potential you know you can probably you know clean it and and you know, make it a, a better asset. And so you go with your neighbor, you walk the property with flashlights <laughs> from your phone. So while you were doing that, do you tell yourself, this is it, I'm going to buy this building? I thought that, I thought it was going to be it. I thought, I thought that because we could put two apartments upstairs and for what we, what rents were in Fort Thomas and what we were putting into it, I felt like, I think our original principal and interest was something like $1,900. For both buildings combined and so we were going to have we had to have commercial tenants on the, on the ground floor so at that time we didn't think we were going to have we didn't know anything about tenant build outs we learned about that later we should we didn't quite budget for that one well enough but we felt like we could at least you know cover most of it with just the apartments in case anything happened with the tenants downstairs mm-hmm. at the time all right so so what what happens next well what happens next is so they're they're part of a they're still in probate and we get the offer. We originally went in at 110. They, of course, it's in probate, so it's got to go through court. And the attorney handling the estate was about as slow moving as he possibly could be because he was a defense attorney taking on a probate thing that he thought was just going to be a piece of cake. So it took about two weeks to get the rejection. And then we came back at 120, two more weeks, get a rejection. So this is the month of April's gone. May, same thing. We go up to 130, no, 140. And then finally we just like, all right, we're going to do 150 and that's it. We were at a wedding, my other neighbor's wedding, and they sent us a text and said 155. And the, they said the estate said it was yours. I said, great. All right, let's do it. It's fine. It's like 95 for one building, 55 for the other. It's perfect. So, I mean, the, the average... I mean, you have to I did look up the demographics. I think for the, for Fort Thomas, I think the average price of the house is like 185, 190,000, which in Kentucky is like pretty high. I mean, it's not, I mean, I know it's not like where you guys are from, but it's for here, it's a pretty good neighborhood to buy in. So, which of course now that I know cap rates and commercial spaces, 
doesn't matter what the house house prices are really because it's all going to be based on your net operating income and your cap rate. Exactly. Yeah. Some people, you know, when they kind of quote unquote complain about how expensive real estate is when it comes to commercial real estate, I always say you think about it, you know, in the wrong way. It's not how much this store costs you. It's how much this store produces compared to how much it costs you. So it, it doesn't really matter if it's if you pay $50,000 for, for that property or, or half a million for one door. It really depends on how much, you know, they produce. Like he said, it depends on the net operating income and what you've left by the end of, you know, the year. So we were kind of teetering between if this is going to be a buy and hold or if this was going to be like hold it for a year to get outside of capital gains and then go. So that's what that's why I was saying, stating that we're, we're like the resale was going to be like if we were going to go for five years, then the per, per door would have been great because we would have had 70 months, the 60 months of income from each store. But with with the way we were looking at it, we were going one way or the other. So that was another issue was not having the exact plan on what we wanted to do with them. Oh, yeah. I want to hear about that. I mean, just I think it's interesting, like, you know, being in a position where you buy a building and then you're trying to figure out, should I buy and hold? Should I flip it? Until when was the time kind of in a process that you actually made up your mind did it make sense to you to kind of move forward and, and figure things out as you go? Would you, would you recommend it? Well, if you're ever going to buy a building, I would recommend that you see it with the lights on. <laughs> and if you're going to buy old dilapidated, make sure that your numbers are perfect so that you can build in. I mean, we build in, you know, cushion. We build in like beyond just CapEx. But I mean, the surprise is it was like, I don't know if, you, if anybody who has a daughter will understand this, but they have these toys called LOL surprises. And it's like you round wrap all these different layers and each one's like, Oh, the, the purple boots. And then, Oh, here's an accessory. It's a bag. And then here, Oh, I got it. This rare. Yeah. I didn't, you get the polar opposite of that when you buy a building that's like dilapidated, you get the surprises. They're just not like the ones you're excited about. Oh, okay. So we have to replace 18 Joyce's. We thought we had to replace maybe two or three. Oh, you mean that the support beam in the back that was supposed to be steel was actually made of wood and it was bowed? I can't, like the, the house, the building should have fallen down. We exposed one and it was perfect. It was like round because we our first tenant that we were negotiating with was an ice cream shop. And it's a historic building and it's right across from a park. And you think this is going to be perfect. We're going to put like the checkerboard floors down and it's going to be like old soda, soda phosphate type place that you see in the 20s and 30s. Uh, steel beams beautiful we had to just paint it black and then you expose the black back one and it's wood and it's bowed and you're like oh this is structural this is so bad and then the flooring we knew we had to fire block the ceiling because it was there was going to be potential for having restaurants there if the ice cream thing didn't work out found out that the apartments upstairs also had to have their floors fire blocked for code and then, so we went from redoing pine floors, that were the original pine floors, to having to put flooring down. And it was, we exposed a lot of cool stuff in the building. Like the original storefront was exposed and that got back to the 15 store, uh, 15 foot ceilings. But we also get, you know, we went through like 25, I think 22 dumpsters, commercial dumpsters. Yeah, it was crazy.
Does it make you in the middle of this whole, you know, kind of mess? Did it make you stop for a second and say, "Ah,、oh, you know what? Maybe it's not for me. Maybe, maybe I should have done should have done something else, or maybe this is not the right investment." How do you feel? You know, kind of starting from the moment that you started, you know, walking the property and getting excited about the opportunity, to where right now you're just finding more and more issues with the building. Does how did you how did you feel? We haven't even gotten to the good part yet. About that kicked me in the stomach the hardest. Oh, take us there then. Okay, so as we were going along, we were like everything. The cost of what was on the budget actually went up. We had anticipated that we had we would have tenants come in before, I mean, within two months of signing. I mean, with a within two months of closing on the buildings, that didn't work out for a couple of reasons. So we were left without two two tenants. We had. Which we had budgeted that income in because we pretty much only, or we're just, which was stupid, but we were waiting just for them to sign leases. So we thought that we were going to be able to take to do the build out with them. We knew we had to do the build out. We didn't know how much we had to give in the build out. It was part of the was just negotiating, right? Wound up not having their rent to work with. So that was something we didn't we didn't budget for, which was a life lesson. And then the cost of materials went up and. We finally got a person in on the. We finally did get, ironically, an ice cream shop into the one. The apartments were finished and rented. In the second building, we were going to. I there was in negotiations with the occupant for the, the lease, and I went to my partner and I said, "You know, she wants this or this," and he goes, "We can't do that." So he means like nothing, and we found nobody else that wanted to, that was that wanted to take a chance on this building.、And、he goes,、oh, "We're like over a hundred thousand dollars over budget." I was like, "What?" Now that's my fault for not having meetings and stuff. But I mean, my partner's in the middle of doing a million other projects. But it probably that could, probably could have been communicated to me better. But again, my fault for not being diligent. That lesson never, you know, that I'll never take again. I would never do it with my customer stuff like at work. I'm like the detail guy. Like I'm almost impossible to work with. I'm so detail oriented, and it comes my own money, and I'm kind of like, eh. So that's like, I'll never ever do that again, ever. But so that was a moment that I like. I'll never forget because the Bengals were playing the Steelers, which is always a frustrating thing for a Bengals fan anyway, because they always figure out a way not to win. But on top of that, I hear this, so like I didn't sleep for a couple nights, and then I was like, you know, I, I got, I got, I just got to figure it out. I mean, quitting is not an option. Never is, never has been. We just don't. We just don't do that in our family. You know, it's like you're raised. You're raised to fight through. And I, I made my bed, and now I got to lay in it to figure it out. So that's what I did. I went back to our city. We have a Renaissance committee who is trying to increase the small business presence in the city. And I said, "We are in deep doo doo, and we need to raise a lot of money really fast." And she looked and she said, "Okay," because it was a project the whole city was excited about. It really revitalized that whole area, and she she was behind us the whole way. So she connected me with Northern Kentucky University's entrepreneurial program, and. But I, I met with a, with a woman from there, and she turned us on to Pace Financing, which they pay for all of your energy efficiency improvements. But so they reimburse you for whatever you do, and then they they loan you the rest off your budget.、And、we were the first building in Northern Kentucky to I think they've only had one in Cincinnati, so we we're like one of the first two buildings in Greater Cincinnati to be able to use it because we our project was completed with it. Uh, one in Covington, neighboring cities, using it now too, but so huge that they they can't claim that they finished with it. And basically, what that program does is it 
they team up with a local bank, they offer you a loan, but instead of paying an amortized schedule, it goes onto your county tax. So it's a deduction, which is nice. And so we took that, we finished, our bank was awesome. Local bank, they're the only ones that were crazy enough to give, to give me the opportunity to do the buildings. And then they wanted to see the project completed too. So I went to them, I was completely honest with what was going on, you know, hat in hand, <laughs> like we're, we're, we really screwed up. Sorry, we need your help again. They gave us a little bit more money. Now, the cool thing about them too is that that pace financing I was telling you about, they take first position on the mortgage. So the bank, our local bank, had to give up a lot of position for it to happen, but they did, and that, that was nice. So we, we worked through it. I mean, we got, we got done what we needed to get done. But, yeah, it was a lot of sleepless nights and, like, I won't say panic attacks, but I wasn't a good person to be around. Mm-hmm. Wow. Had, <laughs> had four or 5,000 bottles of bourbon. <laughs> it, was, it was one of those deals. Oh, wow. So uh, what, what happened to the buildings today? The buildings today are great. Um, we got an ice cream shop. They opened up in April of last year. And they have, I mean, like I said, it's right next to a park. And they have youth baseball games and youth soccer games there. And it, the park is a really big area for the city for, like, concerts and festivals. And that. so they make, all the fla- they make all the ice cream in the basement. He makes it by hand, which is pretty cool. So you can't get that flavor. You can't get that ice cream anywhere else because he's making it right there. And then in the other, and then we have a one bedroom and a two bedroom that are fully occupied. And then in the other building we have, it's called Grassroots and Vine, and they are a farm to table type place. So they do a lot of local foods, local, use a lot of local farms, make all their dressings and everything on in-house, and do a lot of local wines, they have a patio. It's pretty cool. And then they have, it's kind of, it's a, it's a mixed concept too. So they have a store on one, because the building, you, you have to see the layout of the building to understand this, but one part of the building is like a square and it has an L shape wrapped around it. So the square part's like the store tasting area because they have a lot of wine tastings. And then the long part of the L, if you can visualize it, is a hall. So they have like seating and they have a, a small bar at the back. And then you have the patio out right off of that door. Got it. It's pretty cool. Sounds like a pretty cool concept for a building. So what are you working on today? What's next for you? Well, <laughs> after not sleeping through this whole thing, I was like, I've got, I loved it. I mean, I loved meeting with, I mean, I have to be a problem solver with my job anyway. So I love, I mean, adding on extra wasn't, it wasn't really that big of a deal. I love the challenge of it. I love the numbers because now like once you fail, if you're not stupid, you go back and you completely look over the deal and see where you screwed up at and then you sharpen everything. Right. So learning how to, learning how to actually look at deals. I got, I joined Joe Fairless's mentoring program. And uh, to learn how to do things properly, that helped tremendously. So right now at Sparin, uh, which you introduced at the beginning, I appreciate that. We are working on our getting our accredited investor base in. We are trying to get sophisticated investor base in because Sparin Realty is a sister company. That's what my partner Joe has been working on for 10 years. So for... The accredited, like we prefer to keep accredited investors if we're going to do syndications, whether we find our properties or whether we're able to be a general partner with someone else. However, there are a lot of people that have contacted me because these two buildings that want to invest in real estate, they just don't know how. So Joe in Sparing Realty has the, you know, he's a realtor, he has a property management company, and he also has a construction company. 
So we're slowly working our way to vertical integration in that part of it for people that either don't qualify to invest in syndications or don't feel comfortable investing in, say, uh, your pro- you have a project in what area do you invest in mostly? Areas, Texas, Florida, and Georgia. Okay, so you have an Atlanta property and you're raising equity, you have an equity share. And I say, you contact me and I'm able to bring money to it. And here in Cincinnati, 40% of the people aren't even going to look at it because it's not in, within like an hour drive. Because that, that I know, I'm still working on expanding that net. And once I get my track record, that net's going to get wider. But so for them, this other area where they can go and look at the apartment community, apartment, the, the, the duplex or the quad, and realize how bad it sucks to be a landlord. Maybe that'll build some faith and faith in joining us on these syndications where they don't have to do anything. Let you not sleep at night with your crew. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think uh, living in California, it's a little bit easier to work with investors because a lot of them understand how much value you can get anywhere else. And then I also get some people reaching out to me and say, you know what, I own a small building or I own five multifamily properties and. I don't like to be a landlord because because there's nothing passive. They thought that they were getting, they're going to buy real estate and become passive investors when actually the proceeds are going to come to their bank account passively. There's nothing passive about that. You need to be the one who calls the plumber, who collects the rents, who is there to fix stuff and evict people. And there's nothing passive about that. So they're actually, I have some investors that sold their properties and then they just joined you know, wrote a check and that's all they want. They want to review, you know, they, they want to view a, um, a deal. They want to write a check and keep getting, you know, the proceeds passively. So yeah, I can totally, you know, understand. Cincinnati is, is interesting, actually. I, I would think that investors would be more open to out-of-state investing through syndication. What, what needs to happen, what really needs to happen is education. So we have, we've, we hosted our first meetup on the 13th of February, we'll have our, we're going to do every second Wednesday of the month. And we actually had 23 people show up to our first one, which blew me away. Cause I was like, nobody's coming to this. I mean, I'm for people who, yeah, for people who know me, they know that I like talk a lot about everything. Right. So they either, they tune me out and then they, they missed a part where I'd be like, I'm starting this new, we're starting our investment branch. You know, this is my cousin, Joe, he's been a realtor. We have, you know, I've joined this network. I have access to these these people, potentially access to deals just through networking and being able to bring people to, like, they, they've tuned out. They're like, yeah, whatever. So having the meetup and having people come was like a good affirmation that I'm on the right path because some people believe in me, so you just keep going. So, Kyle, if you could look back to your 20-year-old self, what would you tell yourself? 20-year-old self. This is, this, is, this is like, I was probably the most prudish 20-year-old you've ever met. So, I, I mean, I was, goal, I was goal-oriented. I studied all the time. I, was at a, I went to a tough, uni, a tough college, so I had to keep up. My 20-year-old, I probably, would been, I probably would have told him that, you know, just enjoy your friends that are here at the school. Listen to your cousins who are investing in real estate. Make as much money away from your profession as you possibly can so that by the time you're 45, 
you have the opportunity to decide if the, the place you work is still what you want to do or if you want to, you know, or if you, you, you can make the decisions without having to worry about income. That's my thing. I, I, I probably would have really pushed to be more personal wealth focused as opposed to career focused, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I can totally relate to that. Thank you so much, Kyle, for your time and for sharing your story. Where can my listeners find you if they would like to reach out to you? We are at www.sparenrealty.com backslash capital. We are in a holding pattern with the developers. So my picture's not on there still, but that's where we have a questionnaire and you can contact us and be happy to reach out and talk to you and see what your plans are and what your goals are. If you're not accredited and you don't, and you're in the area and you don't want to do syndication, that's fine as well. You can go with, you know, you can still reach out to us. My cousins and his realtors would be happy to find a building that suits your needs. And then you'll realize that you want to invest with us anyway. So come on, (laughs) come on over. We'll, We'll help you make money there and we'll help you make money in syndication. All right. Great. Thank you so much, Kyle, for being here. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. It was awesome. I appreciate it. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.